Well, let me just say again what a treat it is uh, for our church family to worship with you, especially those of you, again, who are visiting. We're so grateful to you for being here this morning on Easter Sunday. We truly believe that the resurrection uh, gives us the purpose for everything we do, life after death, new beginnings. And so we're so glad you're here. Don't hesitate to let us know how we can help you. And after every service, there are people down front. There are people at the welcome desk in the lobby, and you can also turn in one of those communication cards, and we'll follow up with you if it's more convenient for you that we do that the other six days of the week. It'd be our privilege to do that. We're going to continue worshiping through reading God's Word together on this special Easter Sunday. And so Mark 16 is where we'll be together. I know many of you bring your Bibles uh, with you. If you did not or you don't have a Bible, uh, we're going to put this passage on the screen in just a moment so you can follow with us. And while you're turning there, let me share with you that over a five-year period and 79 television episodes, Chip and Joanna Gaines refurbished, restored, and revitalized over 100 houses throughout the southeastern United States. The show is called Fixer Upper, and if what I'm sharing with you is news, I don't know where you have been or what rock you've been under. But more than their show, there are now countless spinoffs, a legacy of shows that we can't even keep up with about what it means to take something that is overlooked, that is dilapidated, that is broken and in need of repair, and to restore that thing. That's why people lean into those shows. At least that's my thinking. That's my opinion. We lean in because we enjoy that. And some of those shows, they would literally lift the house up off the foundation to put a new healthy foundation. That's where they would start. And others, they would put new appliances and new electrical currents in the right places to then empower the house to do what it could never do before they began to work on it. The reason I state the obvious and illustrate the obvious is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the human story that every person who encounters the risen Jesus can be lifted up, can be restored to wholeness, and then can be empowered to live with a purpose that they never knew before they met Jesus. The resurrection is the true story of when people meet Jesus, how he lifts them up, restores them, and then empowers them to live their lives in a purpose-filled way that they did not know and had not experienced before they met Jesus. And if that appeals to you because that's what you're looking for in your life, or you know that you will need that at some point in the future, then I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. Because I don't want you to take my word for it that that's true. I want you to see exactly where that is true in God's scripture. As we normally do together, would you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning? We're going to read from Mark's gospel. Mark is a follower of Jesus Christ who recorded the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8 together. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus. And very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb for us? And looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side of the tomb. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, 
who was crucified, and he has risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you. And they went out and ran from the tomb because of trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. The women who arrived at the tomb on the first Easter Sunday were greeted by an angel who said, Jesus, who was crucified on Friday, is no longer here. He's alive. Now go tell everybody about this good news. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your word and we praise you for your life, your death, and your resurrection. God, thank you for raising your son Jesus from the dead to demonstrate that you have power over death itself so that you can now offer us that powerful resurrected life in the person of Jesus Christ. I pray for the man, woman, or child in this room who wants to be restored, to be redeemed, to find purpose in a way that they have not known it yet in this life, that they would find it in an encounter with the risen Jesus today. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, you know, just a couple of days ago, we celebrated Good Friday. And Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And they hurried to get his body down off of the cross and into the tomb. Because in Jewish religion and in Jewish tradition, the Sabbath, the day of no work, a 24-hour period where no one was allowed to work. They wanted to observe the Sabbath. They rushed to get Jesus' body into a borrowed tomb. The tomb was very close to where Jesus was crucified, but they rushed to get him in there before the day of no work began. That day, that 24-hour day period, ended on Saturday at sundown. But it was dark, and it was hard for anyone to go to the tomb and visit and pay their respects to Jesus. But the Bible tells us, Mark, a follower of Jesus, tells us the true story that there were women who were followers of Jesus, his disciples, that wanted to go and pay their respects to him. The Bible says that they bought spices. And the reason you buy and take spices to a tomb is because you expect the body to be there. Jesus had proclaimed that he would lose his life on the cross and that he would be raised from the dead three days later. And he said it over and over and over again. So it may be the natural inclination to, to doubt the women's faith or to criticize them for not believing in the promises of God. Like, shouldn't they have known he wasn't there? Well, let me just say this. Before we're too critical of these women, what you need to know about the story of Jesus' resurrection and his crucifixion is that women were some of the last followers of Jesus at the cross, and they were most definitely the first followers of Jesus at the tomb. The women were the first people to the tomb and some of the last followers of Jesus to want to be identified with him at the crucifixion. And they had their questions and they had their concerns and they had their doubts, but they went to the tomb. And when they went to the tomb, an angel is there and he tells them, don't be afraid. They were startled. They were alarmed there in verse 6. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I don't know if you have ever been afraid, and when someone tells you don't be afraid, you appreciate it, but it's too late. It's too late not to be alarmed. It's too late not to be scared. But how many of us this morning, think about what you're going through in your life, relationally, career-wise, 
big decisions that are coming up, a past that you're trying and praying to see redeemed. How many of us need that word of comfort? Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus, but Jesus isn't here. He's alive. He's risen, raised from the dead, which had to be mind-blowing. They had heard him say that. Now it had happened. I often put myself in this story, and I think if I had been there, I would have believed. I would have not gone to the tomb because I would have known better. But if you insert me into their sandals, if you insert me into this story, I'd have been the same way. You run to the tomb, afraid, trepidation. There's an angel sitting there, and he says, don't be alarmed. But then his next word is, go tell others that Jesus is alive. Go tell others that Jesus is alive. And it's fascinating that the first eyewitnesses at the tomb were women and that the first people given the command or the commission to go tell this good news message were women. You know, Thursday night when we finished our Maundy Thursday worship service in this room, it was a time for us to come together and remember what Jesus had done for us on the cross and for us to profess our belief in him. And when the service ended, I mean, rarely two or three minutes had passed before the heavens opened up and the skies began to pour. I don't know how many of you, for about a 48-hour period, you questioned whether or not God was going to keep that promise never to flood the earth again. It rained for about 48 hours straight. I was so grateful when those rays of sun yesterday at about 6 p.m. burst through and the warmth of it on your shoulders and on your face. I mean, it was a downpour, a deluge. And listen, you could put on your raincoat and you still had puddles of rain in the back of your coat where your hood is. You could go out in your shoes, and the soles of my tennis shoes were soaked. They were wet. My, my pants were soaked. I mean, you were drenched in rain, totally saturated in it. And the reason I remind you of that is because the prominence and the role of these women in the resurrection story is something that is absolutely drenched in hope. The role and the prominence of these women at the tomb on Easter Sunday is something that is absolutely saturated in hope. And the reason I tell you that is because women in the first century in a Roman Greco world were looked down upon. They had very little dignity. They were given very little respect. And ladies, I don't mean to offend you, and I don't want you to be bothered by that, but I'm just telling you how it was in the first century. Culturally, women were overlooked, and they weren't respected. And in Jewish culture, in first century Jerusalem, women were not even allowed to testify in a court of law. The men and the leaders did not consider a woman's testimony to be authoritative, to be validated, something to be respected. And so here we have Easter morning and the first people recorded that have come to the tomb. And it's supported by the other three gospel writers. The first disciples of Jesus to show up are women, the first eyewitnesses. And they're the first ones given the command to go and tell others what they've seen. They're the first messengers in all of history with this wonderful news that there is life after death. There is someone who can break the bonds of the strongest thing that exists, which is death itself. That's the last enemy any of us will ever face in this life. But there's power beyond that. There's resurrection after that. Now, I got to tell you, if the resurrection of Jesus, today I'm not going to try to convince you that it's true. I'm just going to tell you if the resurrection was something that was false or some cleverly devised myth, no first century writer who was in favor of the resurrection would tell you that women were the first eyewitnesses and that women were the first messengers. It wouldn't be received. It wouldn't be welcomed unless it's absolutely true. 
And it stood the test of time, and it gives us hope that God sees those who are overlooked. God sees those who are treated as powerless and marginalized and least of these. And what is consistent with God's character that we see here at the tomb on Easter Sunday is that Jesus is always lifting up people. Jesus is always restoring people. And Jesus is always empowering them, blessing them, affirming their worth and their dignity, giving them purpose and a mission and a reason for getting up in the morning in a way that they did not have and did not know before they met Jesus. And that's the story of the resurrection, that Jesus has the power and the ability to lift up and empower you to then move forward in this life and to bless and encourage you in a way that you never knew before you met Jesus. Now, I don't know if you caught that. I mean, he, he does that all throughout the Bible. And so you may be here this morning, and maybe you didn't grow up reading the Bible. Maybe you don't read the Bible now. Like, if you were to read all of the encounters that Jesus had with people, especially women and others, he, he is always doing this. But even in this text, he does this. I don't know if you noticed what the angel said. An angel is a messenger of God who has the authority of God. They, they can say things on God's behalf. And the angel tells the women, you got to run tell that. Like you got to go and tell other people that he's alive. And by the way, you should be sure to tell Peter too that he's alive and he's headed to Galilee. Now the reason this is important is because the last time that Peter saw Jesus, it's about 48 hours ago. And the last time that Peter saw Jesus, Jesus was on trial for his life, and Peter was trying to warm himself in the courtyard of a religious leader around the fire, and several people noticed him and said, you're one of his followers. And, and Peter said, no, no, I'm not. And the reason he didn't want to be associated with Jesus in that moment is because he was weak in his flesh and he was scared. Who wouldn't be? And he saw what they did with Jesus, and he loved Jesus, but he's afraid to be associated with Jesus. And three different times, even when a teenage servant girl, not a leader in the community, but a teenage servant girl says, aren't you one of his? He says, I'm not. And he denied him three times. And the Bible tells us that Peter and Jesus looked at each other and Peter realized the weight of his failure. Now, how many of us live with the weight of our failures, right? And one of the things that, that is absolutely difficult in our culture is that people just absolutely love. I mean, this is nothing new in human history, but right now with social media, people love telling us how we're not all there and not put together. And you can literally say, what a great Easter Sunday morning. It's sunny. And somebody will criticize you or rip you. It was actually cold this morning. It's not sunny yet. They'll criticize you. They'll be harsh with you. They'll remind you of your past or some indiscretion in your life that might prohibit you from becoming who you might be in the future. And Peter lived with that tension. And so when the angel says, go tell Peter, the language there implies this. In the original text, the language implies this. The angel, on behalf of God, is saying, if Peter wants to be restored, and if Peter can forgive himself, Jesus has already done it. If Peter wants to be restored and Peter can forgive himself, I mean, how many of us, we struggle with that? We hear that God has made forgiveness of sin possible on the cross, but we struggle to forgive ourselves. We beat ourselves up over our past or our mistakes or our failures. The implication there is if Peter wants to be lifted up, if Peter wants to be restored, if Peter wants to be empowered, he can. 
The invitation is open. The opportunity is there. All Peter's got to do is respond. And Jesus didn't go after Peter with like this retribution. Where were you when the chips were down? He shows up with grace, which is unearned and undeserved favor, and says, I love you, and I still want a relationship with you. And one of the greatest reasons that we know the resurrection is true is the way that people's lives are changed because of it. One of the greatest ways that we know the power of the resurrection is true and that Jesus is alive is the way people's lives are changed by it. If you see Peter before the resurrection, he's one guy. And there before the resurrection, right there, he he is powerless. He is scared. He is fearful. He is intimidated. Peter, after the resurrection, is bold and empowered and shows a confidence that he never scratched the surface on before the resurrection. And even in our own lives, one of the things that's blessed me is being in Bible study with other men. As you have a front row seat to watch people's lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see that there is a difference before they met Jesus and then what he's doing when they meet him and then what he's done since. A changed life is something that's hard to argue with. You can say, I don't like the way Peter does ministry. I don't like that he's bold and brash. You you can have your favorite disciple. It's fine. But you can't argue with the reality that his life was changed by the resurrection. And that's the testimony of any of us who are on the platform or in leadership at this church. We don't have it all figured out, but we know who does. And our life has been changed by the resurrection. The power of the resurrection means that God has power over death. And so death will not have the final word about your life. What Jesus has done for you will have the final word about your life. What Jesus says about you, what God says about you in Christ will be how you are known for all eternity. The power over sin means that you and I, the temptations and the struggles we face, we're not powerless against those things. And right now, on April 21st, 2019, Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus, stands at the right hand of God. And the Bible says he is our advocate. No matter who criticizes you, who judges you, who throws your past up in your face, the things on social media you wish you could change your identity to get away from, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, I know her, I know him, here's who they are in Christ, here's what I've called them to do, I've empowered them, I've lifted them up, I've restored. And guess what? God listens to Jesus' voice more than he listens to anybody else who has anything to say to God about you. And that's the power of the resurrection. That's how he could offer that to Peter. That's how he can offer that to you and to me. And the women wanted to believe that. Like the women so wanted to know, like, wait a minute, like you, you are elevating our, our dignity and our status? We're in. The women wanted, like, you, let me get this straight. You're telling us to be the first witnesses to go? We want in. And they wanted to believe that. But they still had their questions. They still had their doubts, right? I mean, this is crazy. They show up. Jesus isn't there. They're trying to grapple with their friend who lost his life on Friday, and now the tomb's gone. The tomb, which was very publicly known, and anybody could have seen Jesus' body being put in there. The stone rolled. Uh, There were soldiers at the tomb, and, and now it's gone, inexplicably gone, and now Jesus shows up, and in the New Testament it says he showed up to these women, and then the 12 disciples, and then 500 people at once saw him, like, he's alive? They're trying to grapple with that, but the Bible says they went. I don't know if you saw that in verse 3. Who's going to roll the stone away? We have no clue, but we're going. In verse 6, 
In verse 7, don't be alarmed, but go tell. We don't even know what this means. And the Bible says they were astonished and they were overwhelmed. They had questions. They had doubts. They had concerns. But they went. And that's called faith. Believing in the promises of God. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we have trusted his promises and we have discovered that all of them have come true in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what faith is about. Not knowing how it's all going to play out, but wanting to know Jesus. Wanting to be lifted up and empowered and taking him at his word. And some of us are skeptical. I don't doubt that there's somebody in the room who's like, I, I mean, I want to believe what you're saying because I would like those things in my life. But I just need a little more proof. And I do that. I do that. Like, God, if you'll just show me one more thing, then I'll be in. And many of us are skeptical. Or some of us, we don't fully understand the resurrection. Like, I don't get how a dead person can raise. Like, Aaron, that's, whoo, whoo, it's like mind-blowing. I don't get it. But here's the wonderful thing about the resurrection. You don't have to fully understand and explain the reality of the resurrection to believe in it to put your faith in the person of Jesus and to be changed by him. Like, you don't have to fully understand or explain the totality of the resurrection. How does that work? What, did, what, what were all the details? To put your faith in Jesus and to have your life changed by him. In a 24-hour period in Middle Tennessee, you can potentially, given the season of the year, you can experience all four seasons in a 24-hour period in Middle Tennessee. And this morning, it was 33 degrees in some of the areas around where we woke up. And when I woke up, listen, I, I got to be honest with you. My son this spring is doing a book report on Thomas Edison. He's doing a book report on Thomas Edison. If you want to know facts about Thomas Edison, I mean facts that you might need in Jeopardy or some trivia game down the road, like I've got them, okay? I'm learning so much about Thomas Edison and electricity that I had no clue. And I still, as a grown man, find myself saying, like, I don't understand how electricity fully works and how it does what it does i got to be honest with you. At 5.45 a.m., I don't care how it works. When I walked over to that thermostat and kicked that heater on, I believed in it, and my life was changed because of it. <laughs> I walked over to the vent in the foyer, and it was like a campfire. Like, nobody's up 5.45. I'm like this right there next to that vent. You smell like the burning lint that blows out. And I'm like, is that okay? Like, yeah, that's sure. That's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how it works, but I believe in it. And the house shortly thereafter was fully warmed. And my life was changed or impacted by it. Now listen, I could give hundreds of examples of all the things that you believe in and you can't fully understand them. I can give you hundreds of examples of all the things that you can't fully describe how it works, but you trust them and your life is changed by them. And one of the things about the resurrection is that Jesus simply says, I am who I am. I can do for you what I did for these women. I can empower you. And that, that's for the women and the men. I can empower you. I can lift you up. I can validate your dignity. I can give purpose to your work in a way that your boss or your parents can't. The way that your children can't gratify you as a grown-up. Like, I can do all those things. And you don't have to fully understand it to put your faith in it and to have your life changed by it. John, a follower of Jesus, says it like this. So she, Mary, went running to Simon Peter to tell them Jesus was gone. They had questions, they had concerns, but they put their faith in the promises of God. Luke, a follower of Jesus, says it like this, returning from the tomb, they, that's the women, they reported these things to the 11 and all the rest. Like, this is crazy, this is phenomenal and like hard to understand and fathom, but it's true. That's called faith. 
I love Matthew's description. Matthew, a follower of Jesus, says it this way. Departing quickly from the tomb, get this, with fear and great joy. With fear and great joy. And that says it all. That's what it means sometimes to follow Jesus. This anxiousness, this eagerness, this excitement, hoping that it's all true, not knowing how it's all going to play out, and saying, I'm all in. I'm going all in. And praise God that we have the testimony and the eyewitness of these women at the tomb. Praise God that we have the story of Peter redeemed. Praise God that one of the reasons we encourage people to get involved in the local church is so you can see this huge tapestry that God has woven together of human lives that have been changed by the power of the resurrection. And that's what he offers to you. And that's what he invites you to believe in and to trust. I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm just presenting to you the reality that the resurrection is true. And you can stake your life on it. You can bet your marriage on it. You can put your career on that foundation because the Lord will guide, direct, and empower you in a way that you never knew before you met him. And one of the things we told you earlier is we, we handed out a communication card earlier in the service. And I'm going to encourage everyone in the room to respond in some form or fashion. You may simply want to write on that communication card, I was here, thanks. You may simply want to look like you're writing and be like, I have no intent to fill this out, but I'm going to turn it in later. I've seen that before. That's fine. But I'm going to encourage you to be bold and courageous. And I'm going to encourage you, whether it's in the baskets that are passed in just a moment or the table in the back where there's a basket beside the double doors when you leave, I'm going to encourage you to respond in faith in some way. I'm going to encourage you to respond in faith in some way, even if it's like, Jesus, I want to believe you. Show me that you're real. Then you make that your response. If you want to tell us about that so we can pray with you, Listen, the New Testament is like a treasure trove of riches that you get to dig through for the rest of your life to see how Jesus can be exactly who he promises to be. Maybe it's that. I don't have a church family. I don't have anybody to grow in my faith. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm like those women at the tomb. I am believing and running towards God. Maybe it's that. This past week, we had the privilege of a, as a staff of baptizing someone who said, God is calling me to respond by declaring to him and my church family, that I believe he's true. I believe everything he's ever said, the resurrection's true, his death on the cross for me is true. And so this gentleman in our congregation who happens to be a friend of mine came forward for baptism. And baptism is an incredible picture of someone. This is why Jesus commanded us as followers to put our faith in him and then to be baptized. It's a picture of going under the water, our lives before Christ. And when you are resurrected and come out, new life, lifted up, empowered. There's no better picture of baptism of what the resurrection can do. So I want to show you this quick story from Wednesday. I asked for permission to share this, and I want to celebrate this with you. And while this rolls, you fill that card out and think about what God may be calling you to do to respond in faith this morning. Let's watch this together.